This spot is brought to you by Eaton Vance, the symbol of advanced investing. What's inside your ETF? With Parametric Equity Premium Income ETF, you know. Inside, you'll find institutional expertise from a specialized team with deep derivatives experience. Get to know what's inside PAPI, the symbol of alternative income, at eatonvance.com symbols. Before investing, prospective investors should carefully consider the investment objectives, risks, charges, and expenses. The current prospectus contains this and other information and is available at eatonvance.com. Read the prospectus carefully before investing. Not FDIC insured. Offer no bank guarantee. May lose value. Not insured by any federal government agency. Not a deposit. Investments involve risk. Principal loss is possible. Distributed by Foresight Fund Services, LLC. The views expressed on this podcast are those of the participants, not of Rogers News. Hello and welcome to The Exchange, the Reuters Breaking Views podcast, where we discuss business. I'm Dasha Afanasyeva, a columnist in London. It's a pleasure to welcome Merita Weddell-Weddelsborg, an executive organizational psychologist and author of Battlemind, How to Navigate in Chaos and Perform Under Pressure. Thank you for joining us, Merita. Hello. Hi. You've done some research uh, in in the impact of the pandemic, but first of all, could you please explain uh, what your role is exactly and what function you serve for business leaders and why do they come to you? Yeah, thanks so much. Thanks for, and thank you for having me here. So um, yes, I'm a, I'm a psychologist and I'm actually a clinical psychologist by background, uh, but now I work uh, as an executive advisor and I work with top leaders and top teams on all the issues that keep them awake at night. So in essence, what I do is to help top leaders and their teams perform as well as they can. And I mean, you would think that leaders reach out to me when they're in the middle of a crisis, but actually that's not the case. The clients that reach out to me, they already have uh, emotional and intellectual surplus. They're already high-performing leaders, and they come to me in order to stay on top of their game or to reach even higher. And that's probably nine out of 10. And the last 10% is more sort of classic crisis psychology, someone caught in a public or a professional crisis. Wow. And and you've worked with survivors of tsunamis and, and wars and these massive traumas that people have in their life. What similarities, if any, have you noticed about people living through the pandemic? Exactly. Yeah, that, that's that's a good point. And I, I, that's right. My my background is from the military and from you know testing fighter pilots and working in in major plane crashes and uh, and uh, and of course also through the financial crisis where I worked uh, for clients in banks. Um, and in some way, this actually translates into the COVID-19 crisis right now, because no matter if it's about war, conflicts, emergencies or epidemics, the psychological aspects are almost the same and we can draw some lessons. Um, so, so there's definitely lessons to be drawn from a major crisis. Um, definitely. What, what have you learned so far about uh, COVID-19? Yeah. So, I mean, for sure, we all remember these hectic days when countries and markets locked down and we all spent a lot of time on the phone or in video conferencing, you know, with clients those days. And and quite quickly, I started to see a pattern that I know from crisis psychology. 
So in the beginning, everyone, all my clients, they were very productive. And this is actually a quite common experience, even though the situation is shocking and unknown, people pull together, they rise to the occasion, and it's almost paradoxical. Uh, in, in one team I work with, uh, for example, a really strong top team in the first weeks after the lockdown that the CEO said to me, you know, I haven't felt this productive in years. So for many leaders, the first weeks of managing a crisis feel extremely meaningful and energizing. And, and basically, I saw a pattern of three phases, emergency, regression and recovery. Um. Uh, and the, the first stage of that, uh, what drives this overproductivity? Mm, yes, so so the first phase is is it's really interesting. It's something that we we off we call it the emergency phase, or we can call it the shock phase, because in the beginning, when emergency becomes clear to us, what actually happens to a team is this: energy rises, performance goes up. And what I've learned is that most leaders and teams have unknown reserves. So the first reaction to a crisis is often, you know, full of purpose. So much is getting done. It feels like a crisis, but the teamwork actually feels quite extraordinary. Uh, and I'm sure you you recognize that this uh, Dasha, maybe also from oh, yeah. from <laughs> team. Uh, but but the thing is that this kind of rush won't last. So you can be in emergency. You you can't be in that mode forever because leaders they will get drained they'll get exhausted and they'll collapse and they'll lose perspective if they stay in this emergency mode for more than 14 days and that's why we call it war room fatigue and that's quite real and also quite dangerous and it hits you quite hard and then, like and then what happens yeah. and i mean what is the what happens to your performance as a company um mm. during the say the second stage Exactly, because then what what I've noticed is that then both companies and teams and leaders, they enter a second stage of regression. A lot of teams that I work with right now are just coming out of this phase uh, or they're still in the middle of it. And it's a really tough team for it's a really tough phase for uh, for all leaders uh, because performance drops and energy drops and conflict levels rise. And people become the the worst version of themselves, more immature, short-sighted, ego-driven. And I mean, if you are a leader, your job is to get out of this phase as fast and constructively as you can. And, and what because, do you do to do that? Yeah, yeah. So the key to resolving this particular regression phase is to understand that it's all about emotions. Regression is an emotional phase that requires emotional leadership responses. So the tricky part of the regression phase is understanding that it's not so much about structure. It's about understanding the underlying emotions in yourself and in your team. Uh, so, for example, I had I had a leader saying, you know, um, why, why is it so important to open up the coffee bar again or the, the, the juice bar? Uh, he was very irritated about this, but but it makes sense, right? Because in the coffee bar or the juice bar, you can exchange, you know, how are you feeling? How was your weekend? How are things at home? Um, and that's really important uh, in a state of regression that 
you are able to talk about emotions. Um, and if you don't have a coffee bar or a juice bar uh, and you can only meet online, it's it's I've seen I've never seen so many uh, great ways of connecting online where people have you know made sure that uh, they did quizzes online together or talked about uh, cooking or other things besides work online. Um, that also helps with this feeling you know really tired. Uh, and then I always tell my clients, you know, make sure to ask people, are you okay? And if they say, yeah, I'm fine, I'm fine, let's move on. Then ask again, are you really okay? Um, so, yeah, so we that's did, we about this. <laughs> but um, we did a quiz, which was an interesting, um, I lost. But um, I, I wanted to follow up on that idea of emotions in the workplace, because the, you know, in traditional view of the office, uh, that there doesn't feel like there's much room for them. Uh, so it's it's interesting what you're saying about that. And I, I wonder what, it, in your view, what is the downside if you don't um, create room for emotions in mm. in a team? What is the risk? Exactly. So so the risk if you if you if you only f- try to fix you know really tough times with technical solutions with more structure, with more sort of more, more Excel sheets, then you risk people losing faith and motivation and sense of why are we doing this? Why is this important? And in a crisis, it's extremely important that you see the meaning of what you're doing. You need to, you need to be able to find your energy in that meaning. Mm-hmm. Um, so so it, it's not enough to to fix uh, to, to make sure that you sit on the right chair and to make sure that you have the right keyboard. You need to make sure that you can quite quickly take the temperature on on people's feelings um, without, of course, the leader being a therapist, because, of course, that's an important distinction. Yeah, because so, it feels like it's a lot to handle, you know, if you have if you're managing, say, 12 people, you have 12 people in a team and you already are managing in a way, you know, everything, they, the technical aspects of what they do on top of that, the inter, the relationships between them and how well everyone's getting on. And then on top of that, some looser sense of their well-being mm-hmm. and sense of motivation. It, it sounds like a lot. Mm. It it is a lot. It is a lot, and it's a, it's. Tr- I have to to be honest. I mean, it's really hard for for everyone right now, both leaders and their employees. And there are lots there are lots of ups and downs in a crisis. And even though it might seem very simple, you know, I've found that what works really well, and it might sound a little banal, but it's it's to constantly monitor where you and your team are right now um, on, on, on an energy curve. So, you know, actually asking everyone, so how's your energy today? Is it, is it a total zero where you're crawling on the floor and you can't, oh, you can't get out of bed, you, you feel tired, you, you, you haven't showered, you, you, you feel like, you know, the world is a bad place, or uh, is it a 10 where you feel almost ecstatic or maybe too energized? So in a crisis, you need to have an energy around six to eight. Uh, that's a good place to be 
Um, and you can actually become quite skilled at figuring out, you know, where are you on the scale just by asking this question, you know, when when you have a when you have a meeting as a team, ask ask around, you know, how's your energy today? And what I've found is that, you know, teams, they have some very good conversations about this and also some quite humorous dialogues about, you know, oh, I'm still sitting here in my sweatpants. I'm a two today. I'm I'm feeling hungover, <laughs> even though I haven't I didn't drink anything yesterday, but I'm feeling, you know, like I had a whole bottle of wine and actually being able to give each other some advice on. Oh, so today I'm a five or a six because I made it through my morning run. I broke a record or I I I did the, I I baked this morning or so these little tips even though it sounds banal they really provide energy um to a team um so uh, so at least that's a, yeah. that's a tip for the regression phase <laughs> so the, yeah. these are your the arousal levels you you speak of that you and then um but how do you get people to be really upfront about about where mm-hmm. they're at because there's an, an opportunity for kind of one-upmanship and to sort of prove that you're the toughest and the strongest and you're you're most there for the for the company and you're gonna you know you're going for gold yeah well hmm. so it's also interesting because in in these kinds of processes um, some leaders they tend to you know try and stay on the surface uh, and that's not effective at all. You, you, and and many of the leaders that I work with, they're very, they're very skilled at handling personal attacks, or you could say that some of them, they even wear sort of a, 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 a an, an invisible Kepler suit. They have a lot of emotional body armor. They're used to standing alone on the bridge. And a crisis, it's really an unboxing moment. People have to take off the body armor. So my job is to find uh, the authentic part of the top leader, right? And in order to do that, in order to make sure that I get the real picture and the blind spots that they might have, uh, I need to talk to people around them. So I usually interview all important stakeholders, uh, their chairman, uh, their boards, their uh, executive boards, their 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 teams, uh, but also their life partners, and this gives me great insight into you know how they how are they perceived. Um, it yeah. sounds like a, like a pretty intrusive, intensive and intrusive process. Are they always receptive to, mm-hmm. to you know bringing you home in this way? Yeah. So. And that's that's a really good question. And I, I will say that sometimes they look a bit surprised when I say, you know, uh, I, I, I need to talk to your wife as well, because she will give me, you know, the true insight in what you and I, what we need to work on. And, you know, and then even though they look surprised, they 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 often trust me enough to to let me into their homes and interview uh, their spouses. And. I have to say, it's, I mean, it's it's the best conversations that I can have in my work because it gives me the full picture of how is this person actually interacting with others? What and 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 back to the first thing, I, you know, what keeps them awake? 
at night and and their partners they will give me this uh, insight in this and they'll give me some good examples and they will also challenge me and say you know i have some expectations for this uh, for these sessions uh, uh, as well which is good uh, i'm i'm fine with that so 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 that's that's uh, that's that has proven uh, excellent help in in my work actually talking to uh, to a leader's uh, spouse Fascinating. And have you noticed uh, much differences in culture, say, between, um, you know, your European clients and your US clients over the past few months? Yeah, yeah, definitely. And um, yeah, I have to say, so for me, it's been, I, I felt that I, I've been traveling the world via Teams and Zoom, actually, these uh, last couple of weeks here. And so I've been talking to European clients uh, in the morning and in the middle of the day and to especially US clients in the afternoon and in the evenings. And and right now there's a huge difference in where they are uh, mentally. Um, so and, and this is just from from my end of the desk. I'm sure you, you can probably talk to, to others uh, who will who will say uh, uh, who will have different viewpoints. But in, in my point of view, Right now, my U.S. clients are very much in the middle of the regression phase. They are, I mean, it's it's really tough on them, um, and uh, and what they are what they are struggling with, especially, is that as they say, they are leading from press conference to press conference. So even though all my clients, of course, are um, dependent on you know what are governments how are they locking down how are they communicating um what what's going on in society how's uh, how how society locking locking up or locking down but i will say that my my us clients they are i mean they are trying to adapt to government decisions minute by minute uh, and in the first phase of this crisis, people really appreciate it. They, they appreciated and accepted this very sort of top-down, directed style, directive style from political leaders. But right now, to a lot of self-reliant leaders, it starts to feel like a massive loss of control. Mm. And for some of my U.S. clients, this is really frustrating, and it leads to resignation. And they feel like they live at the mercy of government policy. And, and that's that's a key task for leaders right now, to focus attention on what you can do rather than falling in the trap of thinking that someone else is in the driver's seat. Um, so, so, yeah, so I, it's very uneven right now because uh, in, in, in Europe, uh, we are talking a lot about reopening, uh, and I would say that most of my European clients, they are in the third phase uh, of of recovery. They are they are all talking about reopening, even though it's it's a bit back and forth, I will say. But yeah, yeah they are, and that has my full attention right now. You know, how do you move from a quite depressive regression phase towards recovery? Uh, and I will say that you know, on the surface. On the surface, it, it, it sounds like hope and optimism and excitement, and in, in part it is, but no one is feeling relieved. No. And, and it's it's a phase, uh, even the reopening phase right now, with a lot of mixed emotions. 
and my clients are trying to sort of navigate this phase with uh, well, with with uh, with some of the energy that that they felt in the emergency phase, and they're trying to sort of get rid of the really difficult, almost primitive feelings they were feeling in the regression phase. What do you mean by almost primitive feelings? Feelings of fear. Exactly, or... it can be feelings of of fear, but it it's also a feeling of that you're you're not doing it right, or that you could. You, 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 someone could do your job better. Uh, mm. Many leaders that I've talked to during this regression phase, they felt demotivated. They felt so tired, and 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 that's that's perfectly normal because that's what you go through in a crisis when it's absolutely tough. Uh, but this particular crisis, one of the hard things about Corona, is that there's no liberation day when it's gone and done with probably. So the best performing leaders that I see right now, they spend their time thinking about, talking about what's going to happen in a year from now. And they're super realistic about it. So that's the that's the trick, right, that you constantly need to be very aware of that. Yeah, because I mean, even this recovery phase, it's sort of, surely it's recovery with the acceptance that we're in an economic downturn, a lot of businesses are having to change, um, you know, change their mindset from growth to, in some cases, survival. It's, it's as you said, it's not all upbeat. How do you prepare your team and prepare yourself for the, for this sort of long slog, uh, post, you know, recovery plus, I guess. Yeah, but 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 you are you are spot on there, because so so don't think of this uh, recovery phase as just going back to work and adopting your old habits. Uh, don't reopen, renew. So you need to be able to create new meaning, ask questions. What would we do if this happens again? Uh, what did we learn from this case? How can we move faster next time? So you need to find a realistic sense of optimism. What should we change? That's That's the real recovery leadership. And that requires a lot of compassion actually also in the sense of creating constantly that realistic optimism and 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 making sure you know the, the biggest mistake you can make in the recovery phase is thinking it's over <laughs> so you need to keep the pressure cooking you need to keep going and it's really hard because everyone and especially you as leaders you you are exhausted from this right so 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 that's that's the tough message in this and and maybe I should also add that you know many of my clients right now they're they're at, at least in Europe they're preparing for the second wave and I keep telling them that the second wave is going to be harder if we if we close down again it's going to require more psychological resilience because this adrenaline kick that we talked about in the first phase, in the emergency phase, that's not going to happen if this if this will hit us very hard again. Um, it's it's going to be straight to regression next time, uh, and and I'm trying to prepare my European clients for that right now. That it will be an extended, maybe a milder regression, but they need to be better prepared next time. Yeah. So how do you, in terms of practical um, 
steps. Mm -hmm. You spoke about a very, uh, on the surface of it, simple solution, but I mm -hmm. think it's, all, it's sort of deceptively sim simple of asking people how they are. Um, yeah. What else should leaders be doing um, that will, in the long term, translate to the to the financial performance of their companies effectively? Yeah, exactly. So a few pieces of advice there. Uh, we talked about uh, the first one we talked about was, you know, team energy, how you sort of make sure that you manage team energy by making sure that, you know, you honest, you use the scale from zero to 10. Uh, but it's also about relationships. And I have a few tips on that. And this, the third one is actually about opportunity, making sure that you see the opportunity in the crisis. So a few words uh, about relationships. You know, I've worked with companies where they have moonshot projects for almost everything. I mean, they have a very well-developed vocabulary on their business, on their, they talk about tribes, but sometimes they don't invest enough in how to cultivate their relationships at work. But your relationships are what will pull you through and help you succeed long term. So what I would suggest is to make a list or a drawing of all those relationships that are really critical to you and your performance right now at home, at work. And make sure to note your friends, your partners, but also make sure to to write something about, you know, governments, political relationships, investor relations, press relations. And then think about what has happened to the nature of those relationships. What can you do to strengthen the bond? Because this, you know, this is a moment or an era where you can actually use it to strengthen this. And this is the most important thing that you can take away right now, I think, is and this this matters even though whether you are boom business or whether this has hit you very hard. Can you come out with stronger bonds, stronger relationships? Because that will give you the momentum to recover fast and become a stronger company on the other side of this. So third, I want to encourage everyone to, to see this as an opportunity because there's a lot of risk in a crisis. And I've seen that leaders who nurture an opportunity mindset, they tend to do better personally and to project more strength to their teams and their organizations. So remember that a crisis is an opportunity to propel change. Um, so we've seen a lot of strategic and uh, a lot of uh, organizational changes, but but also personal changes in this. And mm. I think it's it's overlooked that this is also a massive personal opportunity to develop and change. And and maybe if I may add, you know, don't just slide back into your old patterns and habits, because this is this is kind of a free New Year's resolution round, because you you are actually forced to make changes. So the key questions that many leaders are asking themselves is, you know, how can we become stronger, stronger as a company as we come out of the crisis? And and I think that's a really important question to to ask yourself. Um, because for a lot of companies, this is a question of survival, but the key to what we are in the middle of right now, this health crisis that has become an economic crisis, you know, we should be careful that it 
won't become a relationship crisis as well. So that's that's a, definitely also a piece of advice. And I, I will also say that whatever emotions and reactions that you have will spread to your connections, your other connections in in society, among your colleagues, among your stakeholders. So, you know, if you do well and manage this crisis constructively, so will a lot of other people. Fascinating. Marita, thank you very much. That sounds like really good advice. That's good to know. That's good to know. Thank you so much for having me. That's it for now. Thanks to our guest, Merita. We'll be back next week with another episode of The Exchange. I'd like to thank our producer, Freddie Joyner, and all of you for listening. If you haven't already, sign up on iTunes or any other platform to keep up with The Exchange, The Views Room, and other Reuters podcasts. You can also find us on breakingviews.com. Wishing you a productive week. This spot is brought to you by Eaton Vance, the symbol of advanced investing. What's inside your ETF? With Eaton Vance High Yield ETF, you know. Inside, you'll find smart bond selection from a specialized team with deep fixed income expertise. Get to know what's inside EVHY, the symbol of high yield done right, at eatonvance.com symbols. Before investing, prospective investors should carefully consider the investment objectives, risks, charges, and expenses. The current prospectus contains this and other information and is available at eatonvance.com. Read the prospectus carefully before investing. Not FDIC insured. Offer no bank guarantee. May lose value. Not insured by any federal government agency. Not a deposit. Investments involve risk. Principal loss is possible. Distributed by Foresight Fund Services, LLC.